you're listening to LeeCom Presents Heroes in Training. The Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, also known as LeeCom, has been providing training to heroes all across the globe since 1993. This podcast gives you an insider look at the stories of triumph and hope from both former students and faculty, helping you decide if LeeCom is the right choice for your higher education. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another edition of LeeCom's Heroes in Training. My name is Jamie Murphy. I serve as the Student Affairs Director here in Erie, Pennsylvania campus. And I'm joined by Dr. Joe Del Tondo. And Dr. Del Tondo, pathologist, based out of Pittsburgh, but often uh, teaches here at the LeeCom campus in Erie as well for uh, lectures. Uh, in the fall term. So Dr. Del Tondo, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Sure. Thank today. you for having me. So let's talk about, um, you know, where it really starts with you. You are a LeCom graduate uh, back in 2007. Mm-hmm. So at what point, now we see the end point, we see you teaching, you, you know, you're in practice and people who shadow you or, or maybe call you, they see the end result. Well, let's go back and, and find out at least medical school, we'll get to pathology in a second, where does that start? What triggered it for you that you wanted to undertake something so challenging? So growing up, uh, my mom actually worked uh, with a well-known group of three uh, brothers in my hometown that were all physicians. And just from being around that and seeing, you know, uh, prosthesis and other things in the examination rooms just kind of really got me hooked. Uh, what developed from there? Like, what kind of experiences did you get? What, what do you think is important for people to get experience when they are even as early as high school or during college? Uh, while I was in high school, I actually um, shadowed a local uh, orthopedic surgeon. I uh, got to spend a few days in the OR. Um, and, you know, outside of the surgery being very interesting, just kind of being in the mix of things in the hospital and such uh, gave me a little bit of a peek into uh, life in medicine. And was there anything at that point that you wanted to do when you, you finished? You, you went to Allegheny, uh, which is about 45 minutes south of the Erie campus. Um, did you have a specialty in mind earlier, or did that come later? So from the get-go, as I mentioned, I shadowed in surgery. Um, I really thought that I was going to end up going into surgery. Hmm. Uh, I like to work with my hands. I really like anatomy and physiology, and that was kind of the trajectory I was on. What changed that? So through medical school, uh, I really enjoyed anatomy lab uh, or in our, path, in our pathology uh, lectures and the pathophilia, pathophysiology of disease. Um, going on to rotations, I try to do a bunch of surgery rotations to get uh, good experience. And then on those rotations, uh, there's a lot of anatomy, obviously, uh, a lot of imaging studies and things that go along with it. And then during the course of surgery, uh, sometimes uh, surgeons will need a frozen section. And so that's an intraoperative evaluation of an organ or a tissue during surgery, and the pathologist does that. Uh, so that was my first real exposure to uh, a practicing pathologist. And um, what experiences during med school, maybe um, you know, going back, you started in 2003, mm-hmm. um, everyone says you know, it's, it's going to be challenging, it's going to be difficult, uh, and I'm sure you're well prepared. What would you be able to relay to someone to say, you know, what really made you find out how difficult it can be at first? 
uh, I've heard the um, you know the cliche people say it's like trying to drink from a, uh, a fire hydrant, and that's pretty accurate actually. Um, so it's not how smart you are, it's not the grades you got in high school or college. Um, it's really the dedication and the time and the sacrifice that you're going to put in. Um, it's not about coming in and acing all the exams. It's about uh, the persistence and perseverance to finish. And here on the admissions side, we don't really care where students go to college. It's about the time management. So it's hard to tell a student, this is what you need to do to be successful. Everybody is different. Um, you know, a lot of students, um, you know, come here with the expectation of that doctors have to be almost robotically perfect. Um, do you, I don't know how much often you communicate with, with potential students or, or current students to say, you know, what do you say to them to say, you know, you're a human being, you, you've got to understand it's how you bounce back. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. And so um, a couple of my roles at uh, my current employer, I'm the pathology residency program director at Allegheny General Hospital and the associate director for the cytopathology fellowship. And so all these years later, being on the other side of the interview table, um, it really is, it, it's kind of not what you think going in, right? As you mentioned, you expect, you, you feel that people expect perfection and they want all straight A's and 99% board scores and you have to have, you know, specific rotations and each of the things that you're interested in, et cetera. And really, I think a lot of programs look at the whole package. Um, board scores are great. Uh, grades are great. Uh, we like to see dedication to the field, your perseverance, your extracurriculars. So it's not as, it, it's still intimidating, mm-hmm. but it, it's not as that, that, uh, that sort of uh, pie in the sky view mm-hmm. uh, when you're a student. And you, you would brought that was my next question about the whole residency process, and you know, I mean, you're you're a great person to talk to about this because uh, we coach the students on do's and don'ts and have a backup plan. When we're talking specifically about pathology and someone's thinking about it, where are we at right now as far as the difficulty to get that residency compared to maybe family med or even something like anesthesiology? So in general. Pathology, it sort of fluctuates on a 10 or 15 year cycle. Um, it'll pick up some competitiveness and then it drifts down. And usually that's surrounding rumors that there aren't any jobs and it kind of def- deters people from going into it. Um, that, that's usually not true. The, the truly great jobs in any field aren't necessarily going to be posted on the national website, right? It's going to be by word of mouth or recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us in particular in pathology, um, what we look for, and I think it's a little bit different than other fields because pathology is such an sort of an outlier in medicine, right? Um, where the, ex- ex- the exception, not the rule, is to truly know what you're getting yourself into, to truly have an understanding of what a pathologist does, what pathology residency entails, and uh, sort of the career path that you're on. Um, all too often, someone might shadow someone on a weekend or see a couple autopsies and they've never rotated somewhere where there's a training program that it's regimented that you're on difficult rotations you put in long hours Uh, so i've seen it before in the past that someone comes in because they think pathology is an easy lifestyle Um, they don't always last too long in the specialty ready to expand your career opportunities and take a leadership role as a master's trained healthcare administrator LeeCom, an industry leader in whole person wellness, offers an innovative, fully accredited, and nationally ranked Master's in Health Services Administration degree through LeeCom's School of Health Services Administration. 
Experiential learning focuses critical business skills needed to resolve even the most complex industry challenges surrounding quality of patient-centered care and organizational compliance. It is delivered through a dynamic online learning platform so you can work on your studies when your schedule permits. Email shsa at lecom.edu to begin your journey of discovery. Again, that's shsa at lecom.edu. Classes are now forming. At Lecom, we know wellness and we are teaching the business of healthcare. This message is brought to you by Lecom, a nonprofit organization. You talked about the optimal jobs. What are what are some of the things you do? Uh, what would be an optimal job for someone as a pathologist? So the the job options in pathology are pretty varied. Um, so the two main categories of pathology are anatomic pathology and clinical pathology. Uh, the vast majority of jobs are going to be in anatomical pathology, and that's going to be uh, autopsy, which is what most people associate with pathology on TV. There's surgical pathology, so when you go in for a surgery and they take out an organ, we're the ones that look at it under the microscope and tell you if it's cancer or benign or malignant, etc. cetera. Uh, and then there's cytopathology, and that is the study of uh, uh, cells, essentially. So the most common would be the uh, woman's annual exam, the pap smear, Uh, We look at a smear of cells or a fluid or a urine and make a diagnosis based on that. So my job, basically, it's those three things combined. Um, That's that's really interesting. I didn't know it was that varied because myself being uneducated, I think autopsy. That's Mm -hmm. it. It's where it starts and where it ends. So. When you're, uh, I guess this would be really after or I, I, the residency, you're making selections on residency. Is there a different type of personality that goes with those different specialties? So the old, um, you know, the old stereotype was the pathologist was the introvert in the basement, you know, hiding in the lab. Mm-hmm. And really that's, that, that's pretty antiquated nowadays. Uh, pathologists are taking more and more a role in patient care. Uh, we're part of the multidisciplinary teams. We talk at tumor board. We talk directly to the clinicians and surgeons on what to do with you know some particular diagnosis or tumor. Um, in so much as on the other side of the fence in clinical pathology, there are some subspecialties such as blood banking that pathologists still see patients on a daily basis. There could be uh, like an apheresis or transfusion clinic and a blood banker is who oversees that. So when I was a resident and on those rotations, I carried a stethoscope. We wrote soap notes, we put in orders for the patients, monitored them while they were getting their transfusion, uh, just as sort of a, your stereotypical you know, doctor walking on the floors. Hmm. And, and once again, you um, uh, answered a, the next question. My, my question was gonna be about the stereotypical pathologists, uh, you know, if someone doesn't have the, the best communication skills. But it seems to me that's just as important in a residency interview. Uh, extremely. So while we may not always uh, be communicating with patients on a regular basis many times a day as our clinical counterparts do, um, take all of those doctors that see all of those patients, we're the ones communicating with them constantly all day, whether it's through our reports, phone calls, emails, tumor boards. Um, so if you can't uh, communicate effectively and efficiently, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're not going to last too long in the field. That's very interesting. You mentioned a little bit about you know what people see on TV, and it's never reality. It's for entertainment. Do you get any of that with pathos? CSI has been on the air for a hundred years, it right. seems. So, so I am actually a uh, 
uh, fellowship trained board certified forensic pathologist. That's how I started my uh, practice. And I did that for about six years before going back and doing a cytopathology fellowship and getting back in the general pathology AP practice. So there is something called the CSI effect. Hmm. And it's a documented thing. There's articles written about it. And it's basically people see the TV shows and even people that are close to the field that you would think would know a little bit more about pathology um, really think that, you know, we walk around in leather jackets and uh, we're able to diagnose things by just like looking at the body for three seconds (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. And those things aren't true. So in in my practice as a forensic pathologist, uh, for example, like district attorneys, uh, police officers, detectives, um, people who who are close to the field that you would think know would ask, um, you know, crazy questions like after just looking at a skeletonized remains in the woods, um, like taking a quick glance and the police chief says, uh, who is he, doc? The thinks I already have the person identified, which really it takes, you know, days, weeks, sometimes months of yeah. uh, process to do that. What about that aspect of pathology? Um, you know, objectifying what you're seeing, you know, you see things, well, as a doctor too, Things that are hard to look at, hard mm-hmm. to see for the normal person. How do you get through it? Does it still affect you? Sure. I think anybody who uh, is able to do an autopsy um, about that specifically is able to do an autopsy and say that it doesn't bother them. Um, may want to undergo, you know, some psychological testing. But you know, just like uh, just like a clinician, you know, in the ICU that's doing a code on on someone who's in cardiac arrest. Um, you have to keep the end result in mind, the mission in mind, right? So you're doing it for a purpose and trying to get that information out uh, of your autopsy. In surgical and cytopathology, it's similar. We diagnose a lot of cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, these things happen and they're real, but you're trying to get the best diagnosis out there so they have a, a good chance of being treated. Is there anything, you covered a lot of it whenever, you know, the the people listening to this uh, are are what we believe mostly people looking to get into med school or during med school and they're they're looking into specialties. Um, Is there anything that you see consistent with students who uh, either a misconception of success uh, or the residency interview itself or applying to the process to make sure something that's important that they do and something that uh, maybe is a misconception they don't have to do maybe. So I think in our field, a lot of people emphasize research. And while it's great to have a project or two or a case report written up, um, it's not the end all be all of pathology. Pathology does not equal research. Um, So sometimes we'll have people who apply that have a research background or maybe worked as a researcher for five, 10 years. And they have a little glimpse of pathology but really haven't learned what the practice is about. Um, On the other side of it is just in general across all fields is to, again, have that experience, uh, that real experience, usually where a training program is, a residency or fellowship program is, to know what you're wholeheartedly getting yourself into. Mm -hmm. And when you're getting yourself into practice, um, what is your life like? I mean, how many hours a week do you have time to live your life? So I think for most pathologists, um, you know, I guess the stereotype is probably more of like an office job, Mm -hmm. like nine to five or whatever it may be. Um, You know, on on an average day, I probably, you know, eight to five is probably um, average or the norm. 
Um, there's lots of things when we're on certain services, we have to go in earlier, uh, stay later. Uh, if we're shorthanded, you know, days can stretch out to 12 hours, um, you know, things of that sort. So we do put a lot of time in, um, you know, something that I think is uh, unique to us is, you know, surgeries might stop at a certain time during the day, but our cases still remain sitting on our desk. So, you know, after we do all the stuff and interactions during the daytime, uh, sometimes we're still left with a stack um, to either, you know, finish up that night, early mm -hmm. the next morning, whatever. Uh, we actually do still take call. Uh, there's always a pathologist on call for both the lab and for anatomic pathology. And so some nights go by without a, you know, without a page and some nights we're in there in the middle of the night diagnosing uh, something critical on a patient that needs surgical intervention. You, all physicians, uh, medical professionals, long hours, it's a, it's a tough job uh, and stressful. What do you do? How, how do you unwind? How do you get away from it? So um, I like to spend time with my family, my wife and two kids. Um, I very much always enjoy the outdoors, uh, hunting, fishing, hiking, boating, etc. And so just kind of having that time away and turning off the phone and stop checking emails uh, kind of let you unwind. Well, that sounds great. And I, I appreciate it. And you come all the way up here to Erie, too, to, to teach yep. and, and help students understand uh, various subjects. So that is greatly appreciated. Uh, and thanks for, for taking time today for us to learn more about uh, sometimes a misconception of pathology. It's great. Thanks for having me. This has been another edition of LECOM Heroes in Training. My name is Jamie Murphy. Tune in next time.